Boy, it's uh, great to uh, uh, be back here in uh, Loosedale. I so enjoyed the time when uh, I was uh, here and had the privilege and opportunity to, uh, to be your uh, interim pastor. Uh, just uh, wonderful folks. Uh, I, I'm not sure it gets uh, much better than George County folks. Just, uh, and some of you know that I have uh, some George County uh, connections, and so uh, certainly a real privilege uh, for me to be here with you this uh, morning. Now, I, I do have uh, uh, a question for you. Uh, in fact, uh, if you wanted, you could kind of uh, write down a list uh, uh, answering uh, this uh, question. And these, the questions are just pretty simple. So, so what do you want? What, what do you want? I mean, you think like, some of you are like, well, that's such a big question. I don't know what I want. Uh, but I, uh, I imagine if you start thinking about it, you can probably start thinking about some things you want. Now, some of the things that you might want uh, can be pretty um, simple, simplistic, and you think, well, that's too simple for me to put on the list. But if it's a want, you could have put it on your list. Some of you that didn't get the chance to have a wonderful breakfast at the Brotherhood Breakfast might be thinking, I want breakfast right now. Yeah? Some might be thinking already, man, I can't wait for lunch. Yeah. I mean, th- those are wants, right? Those are things, those are wants that seem to show up every day. Every day at some point, I want to eat. Yeah. In fact, usually multiple times, probably too many times every day, I, I want to eat. Some of those, you know, and th- now there are times that uh, I want to eat, and boy, I really want to eat, and then I don't want to ever eat again. Yeah. So there are some of the wants that kind of come and go. Some of those wants that are more in the range of appetites, Okay, and uh, we certainly have lots of different kinds of appetites, things that we want. Okay, so if you had written something on your list, maybe that was something on your list. Now, maybe somebody who's already um, uh, a planner or somebody who's already thinking about what they want for Christmas, maybe you've already started your your list. I remember when I was a kid, uh, it didn't take long if my mom asked, what do you want for Christmas? Boy, I went straight to the Sears catalog and I had circled uh, a whole bunch of stuff, and it didn't take me long to say, this is what I want, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And some things I didn't even know I wanted until I saw it in the catalog, and then I had to have it. Yeah. And so I remember, in fact, uh, one of uh, my daughters uh, kind of uh, coming in after she'd watched TV, and she says, well, I want this. Well, why do you want Well, it's new and improved. So we're, you know, there are some things we don't even know we want until somebody else has it. Okay, maybe somebody's thinking, you know, I, I got this phone and I want the phone that somebody else has. So I, in fact, I, was, I saw somebody yesterday, they have, uh, actually Friday, they have kind of the new uh, iPhone with the three cameras on the back. And so maybe some of you want that, all right? So there are things that we want. There are appetites that we want to satisfy. And, and maybe there's some other things, maybe some bigger things that, that you want. Uh, maybe uh, some that uh, are in school want to pass. Okay. Maybe some want to get an A. Some want to just get out. Some, okay, we have our difference. And now, some of our wants could also be relational. Some of our wants would, uh, might be, um, although I thank God I'm not there anymore. In fact, uh, sometimes I have students that come to my office asking for dating advice. Like, thank you, God, I'm not dating anybody. I mean, I just, thank you, God, I'm married, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay. But some of you may want a relation, may want somebody to know that you exist. Okay. Now, some may want maybe reconciliation. Maybe there's been disruption in your uh, family or disruption in a relationship, and, and you just want things to be right. You want things to be maybe the way that they were before. I mean... 
And it doesn't take long before we can really start listing a lot of things that we want. A lot of things that, that we long for. Some things that, uh, that are short-term, some things that are superficial, some things that are kind of far off. And of course, at, uh, at William Carey, where I, I work, uh, we are essentially working with students who want an education. Now, although there is a difference between wanting an education and wanting a degree, yeah, there's not exactly the same thing. But um, some students, they want a career in something, and they know that they can't have that career in something unless they kind of maybe major in this and get a degree in this. And so sometimes if you want to satisfy your long-term want, you got to do some things in the in interim, maybe even some things you don't want to do, like maybe um, take classes, but you've got to do them to get what you really want in the long term, Right? Aren't there a lot of things that you got to do that you don't want to do so that you can have what you really want, right? Aren't we all, I mean, it's just a part of the human condition that there are things that we want and every day we are driven by things that we want. Short-term, long-term, superficial, deep, even other things that are, are meaningful. So as we all uh, approach um, the end of life, and as we all approach and we think about our mortality, what do you want with life? Do you want more than maybe just what the TV commercials say? Do you want more, and not just more stuff, but do you want more out of life? Do you want more significance or more meaning in life? I mean, sometimes... I think Satan does a great job in keeping us so distracted that we don't even think about some of the most important wants in our lives. But we have wants, so what, what do you want? Well, it doesn't take long to look in the Bible, and we see that way back then, they had wants, they had longings, they had desires. In fact, we can look at some of these, these wants that are deeper than just wants or appetites, but actually become kind of, they, they long for something, they really desire something. We can see lots of examples of this in the Bible. Psalm 42, 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. In all the things that you want, do you pant for, do you long for, do you thirst for God in your life? And I think if Satan can, can just keep you busy so you're not thinking about wanting him and you're just thinking about wanting these other things. But we certainly see the psalmist that, that wants God so badly that it's as badly as that deer pants for streams of water. And it doesn't take long to think of how thirsty that deer may have been. Hopefully do you have that spiritual thirst. Or, or here's another longing that we see in Scripture. This would have many examples of this. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to choose understanding rather than silver. And a part of that is apparently back then and now, we want more money. We want more gold, we want more silver, we want more numbers in the bank account. We, that's usually something that we want. In fact, it's one of the reasons why many times people go to college and sometimes choose careers that they don't really want because it's going to make them more money. But is there something that we want even more than money? 
Is there something that we want even more than what comes with that money? Do we want wisdom and understanding even more than we want money? That's a longing described here. I mean, here's another one from the New Testament. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In fact, I think sometimes we we get that reversed. All these things that we want, that we don't even seek his kingdom or his righteousness. But do we long for, do we seek, do we want his kingdom and his righteousness? Now, the Bible also recognizes that our wants are not always the good spiritual wants. The Bible also recognizes that some of our wants are actually sinful. That's a part of the human condition, right? There are some things that we want, we can go ahead and admit it in church. I, yeah, I want this and I want that. And there are other things, if we would be honest, we might say, you know, I want this. I know I shouldn't want this, but I still want this. And so in, in Genesis chapter 3... It describes the the temptation that Adam and Eve have there in the garden. And the serpent really kind of places this in the context of of what they want. It kind of places it in the context of an appetite. It says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Don't you want to be like God? Don't you want to know this? Don't you want to know that? And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, and she ate it. I mean, well, she just wanted it. And she wanted what she wanted, and she took what she wanted. But not everything that we want should we long for. And not everything that we desire is right, that it can be sinful. And we see then that both Adam and Eve sinned as they pursued what they wanted that they wanted, and they didn't want God telling them no. They didn't want God telling them that there were limitations. They wanted what they wanted, and they wanted it now. They sounded like good Americans. And there were consequences for longing for, consequences for wanting the wrong things, the wrong desires in their life. And they sinned because of their longings and giving into their longings. Well, at, uh, at Cary, every year we have uh, an annual theme, and so our annual theme is longing to know. And so we certainly have longings, desires that uh, we all want, but at Cary, longing to know. And that makes sense, uh, kind of at a university, longing to know. Well, and at a university, you can know a lot of things, whether it is from science to math to history to literature to theology. And boy, that's one of the reasons why I love working at a university is because you can really kind of be exposed to so many different things. And you can, I love being in the cafeteria and sitting with uh, faculty or staff or students and hearing experts in a variety of different fields. It's, I, I'm curious about a lot of things. And, and I hope that you are curious. And it doesn't have to be just about academic things. But, but what do you want to know? Is there anything that you want to know? We, we certainly turn the TV on and we watch the news, we want to, although sometimes I don't want to know. But there are things that we want to know. There are skills that we wish that we had, oh, that we would know. Well, I think we can also even ask, how do we know what we know? If, if we want to know something, how are we going to really learn that? 
Well, William Carey, was a, the man, was a great example of wanting to know a lot of things. William Carey was actually um, a, a missionary. I'm sure you know that. William Carey was a pastor. William Carey was a Bible translator. Uh, William Carey was uh, uh, an educator. William Carey was a botanist. William Carey did a lot of things, and he just kind of really represented somebody who wanted to know, and he wanted to know a lot, and he really saw that he could learn about God in almost any particular area and field. Well, how do we know what we know? In fact, I think we have to be discerning. Just because it's said on TV doesn't mean it's right. Just because you can find a web page that agrees with your beliefs doesn't mean that it's right. In fact, I I think we have to be really careful that we don't just want to know what we already know. That's kind of a confirmation bias. And it seems like today, and increasingly today, we just want to know what we already want to know. But can we be curious for things even beyond that? Well, if we look at some passages that describe how we can know more than what we know, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So I suspect here in church, in fact, uh, even if it was just peer pressure, if I were to ask, who wants to know more of God's word? In fact, we'll go ahead and ask. Okay, who wants to know more of God's word? You can raise your hand. Okay, yeah, peer pressure, even if you didn't, you got to, you're supposed to, so thank you for raising your hand. Okay. Well, can you know more of God's word if you don't read it? I mean, can you know more of God's word if you don't listen to somebody talk about it? I mean, sometimes we want to know, well, God, what do you want in my life? Now, I want you to tell me what you want in my life. God, I want you to reveal your will to me, but I don't want to have to read about it. I just want you to just give me your will without me actually having to put any effort into it. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? If you want to learn how to fix something, you often actually have to get your hands dirty or read the directions or read the instructions. Now, I know some, if you want to know where to go, you've got to read a map, but I know some are never going to do that. But if you want to know, well, not surprisingly, you've got to, to study for it. And so to correctly handle the word of truth. Now, sometimes, apart from knowing something intellectually, sometimes the way we know something is because we tried it and it didn't work, made a mistake. Don't we often learn most from our mistakes and, and our failures? We can learn from a rebuke. Proverbs 9, 8, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you, but rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Not that wise men like being rebuked. I doubt anybody here likes being rebuked. But if you want to learn, you want to be able to see some of what have been your blind spots, and don't we all have blind spots? Then if we really want wisdom, then we're going to have to be willing to be rebuked and to be corrected and to learn from our mistakes. Some of the things that we learn most deeply, we've learned from our mistakes and from rebukes. Well, another way that we can learn, and we see this in Scripture, is that we can follow the example of others. And we have the incredible examples of the Old Testament prophets. Now, they weren't perfect by any means. We have the example of the disciples that, boy, you can sometimes wonder about them. And yet, we can see the example of Christ, but not just the example of Christ. We actually can learn by following the example of others. In fact, I was having a conversation with one of our students, and I was asking him what he learned in his Old Testament class. And not my class, but he was taking another Old Testament class. I asked him what he was learning. He was a student that really didn't grow up in church. And one of the things that surprised him 
is that there were so many characters in the Old Testament that made mistakes. That so many of them that did things wrong. I don't know if he just kind of expected the Bible just to kind of talk about perfect people that don't have any problems and everything. But when he actually started having to read it, he began to see that the Bible actually talked about real people with real problems and real doubts and real issues. And we can learn, both positively and negatively, we can learn from following the example of Paul and Jesus and others. And, here's a little pressure, we can learn from each other. By no means perfect. Don't do everything that you see everybody else do in the church. But can't we learn from each other? In fact, I think one of the things that a church can provide best, in fact, a church, particularly a church that's interdenominational, intergenerational, not denominational, intergenerational, okay? I think that young folks have a lot to learn from middle-aged folks and old folks. I also think some old folks have a lot to learn from middle-aged folks and young folks. I think that we can learn from each other and we can see how each other live out their faith. We, can, we learn from following the example of others. We learn, certainly, through maturity, through experience, by, by just doing it and living it. How do we learn about what it means to be a Christian and to walk in faith? Well, we walk in faith. What, how do we to learn what it means to love our neighbors? Well, we love our neighbors. How do we learn to to love our enemies by loving our enemies? Christianity is not just something that you know and learn. It's something you live, and this is the way that we learn it. So we long to know. But now I want us to look particularly at a passage here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. I'm going to read a little selectively here. (coughs) And as I read this, I want you to listen for the longings, the desires to know. But, but also taking it a step further, the desire to know Christ. Not just the desire that we all have. Not just the desire to know that we all have, but the desire to know Christ. So as I, as I read from this passage, Philippians chapter 3. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Even if we just pause there. So Paul recognizes that there are lots of things that we want, but he considers everything else lost. So everything that might have been on your list, from superficial to appetites to long-term to meaning everything, when compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I would hope that your greatest desire in life, your greatest want in life, is to know Christ. And to know Christ as your Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Well, there are a lot of things that we're pursuing in our life that are not rubbish. Education that's not rubbish. A career that's not rubbish. Relationships that are not rubbish. But in comparison to knowing Christ... He compares it as rubbish. I would hope that our greatest longing and greatest desire that trumps anything and everything is to know Christ, that I may gain Christ. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. I mean, that's not just, you know, I'm kind of curious about Christ. 
I just kind of want to know a little bit more about Christ. I mean, do do you kind of hear it and feel it in this passage? I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection. In fact, if we stop there, I think, well, yeah. Don't we want to know Christ? And we want to know his power. We want to know his victory. We want to see Jesus return. We want to see him conquer nations. We want to see, be able to say, I told you so. Particularly in in a society that's increasingly hostile to Christianity. Don't we look forward to the time when Jesus comes back as Lord over the universe? I want to know the power of his resurrection. Well, of course we want to know power. And of course we want to know victory. And we can know that when we know Christ. But it goes on. The sentence doesn't end there. (coughs) And the fellowship. So apparently knowing Christ is not just something we know alone. And the fellowship together, of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, some of you, of course, you're not going to say it out loud because you're in church, but some of you might be thinking, wait a minute. I want to know Christ when it's convenient, and I want to know Christ when he's victorious, and I want to know Christ in his power, but I'm not sure I want to know his sufferings. I'm not sure I want to know the difficulties and the hardships and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Well, one of the things that's implied here is that because we are a part of the body of Christ and because we belong to the church, actually we know Christ best together. We know Christ best in corporate worship. We know Christ best as a part of the body of Christ, something that's bigger than just we are. We share in the fellowship of even his sufferings. Not just his victory, but in his sufferings. And don't we learn more about Christ when we need him? Don't we learn more about Christ when we're dependent upon him? When we can't make it on our own and we're not smart enough and we desperately need him. Don't we learn more about Christ often in our suffering, sufferings and in our trials and in the storms that we face? I want to know him so badly that I'm willing to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to become like him. Not, not just to know about Jesus, but do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to become like Jesus? Do you really want to give like Jesus? Do you really want to serve like Jesus? Do you really want to turn the other cheek like Jesus? Do you really want to become like Jesus, even in his death? Now, of course, I'd love to do miracles like Jesus, but do you want to become like Jesus even in his death? How badly do you want to know Jesus? How badly do you want to become like Jesus? even in his death. I'll be honest, I don't think that there is a greater compliment than for somebody to think that you are acting like and behaving like and are becoming like Jesus. For somebody to see Jesus in you, not just kind of a, kind of a, a saying, is there a greater compliment? And of course, you I mean, you've got, um, you can get awards and you can get careers and you can get... Is there a greater compliment than somebody seeing Jesus in you, that you are becoming more like Jesus? Not just in his victory, but even sharing in his suffering. Now, for all of this longing to know, I find it interesting that in verse 13 it says, forgetting. 
forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Isn't it wonderful that we can forget about our sin and our failings and our weakness because of the grace of Christ? That we can know him in spite of our failings. We can know him in spite of wanting the wrong things. That we can forget what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And all of us who are mature, isn't that a part of the way that we we learn? That as we mature and as we experience. Now, of course, we also know that just getting old doesn't mean we're more wise or more mature. We also know that we can be pretty immature even as we get older. But as we grow and live in Christ, as we mature spiritually, and isn't there a problem? If we are no more spiritually mature this year than we were last year, aren't we expected to grow and to bear fruit and to grow in Christ and to know him more deeply this year than last year? And something is wrong when we're just stagnant in our growth in Christ and are no more mature. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So I don't know what all you want. I don't know what all you want to know. But I certainly hope and pray that you want to know Christ. And there may be someone here this morning that you know a lot about Christ. And you've been to Sunday school, and you're here in church, whether you want to be or not. And there are a lot of things that you know about Christ, but you know you don't know Christ. That you know you're not walking with Christ. And I, you know, I'm not going to go back and share it, but I've shared my testimony with you before. That grew up primarily out west, and it was George County folks when I would visit during the summer that led me to Christ. And then I already knew about Christ, but that is very different from knowing Christ and having a relationship with Christ. What a privilege it is, not just to know, but what a privilege it is to know Christ, to share in his sufferings, to share in the hope of his resurrection, and to be able to share in the fellowship of other believers as we long to know Christ. And then if there are others that you are a Christian, but... As you think about your wants, and those wants are drowning out wanting to know Christ, now would be a time to repent, rededicate your life to longing for, desiring Christ more than anything and everything in your life. And so let's uh, have a a moment of uh, invitation, and I'm not sure what we'll be singing. I know I'm not going to be singing it. Uh, No. Doug's heard me before. I'm not going to sing it. But I will be here. If you will stand for our uh, uh, hymn of invitation. And now would be the time to come.